Golden State Warriors basketball. Back door to Curry, got hammered up and good! Curry came slicing into the right corner. This is Warriors Roundtable. He went reverse, took the contact, threw it up over his head, banked it home. With the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Dribble hands off to Jefferson, to the foul line, fumbled it, got it back. He's Lee off his leg, picked up by Jenkins with eight to shoot. Gotta go, down the lane, to the rim, left hand, scoop, good! Charles Jenkins got the roll with 20.4 to go. What a clutch shot by the rookie. Charles Jenkins with a game-winning shot last night in Minneapolis at the Target Center. And the Golden State Warriors snap a six-game losing streak with a victory over the T-Wolves. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy. Welcome to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and we have got a great show for you. This week, the Hall of Fame inductees for 2012 were announced at the Final Four weekend in New Orleans, and making the Hall of Fame long overdue, in my opinion, and many others. Don Nelson, the legendary coach, the man with the most wins in NBA history, he'll be inducted into Springfield this year. And for Don Nelson, certainly a job well done. Coaching not only the Milwaukee Bucks to all those division titles, couldn't get past Boston and Philadelphia to get to the finals. His stint with the Golden State Warriors run TMC, one of the most magical teams in NBA history, on to Dallas where he set in motion the franchise that is the defending NBA champions. And, of course, back to the Warriors, and who could ever forget we believe in 2007. We'll hear from Nelly in just a couple of minutes. Coming up later on in the show, we'll also find out how the Warriors are going green. I'll answer your questions on our Warriors Vox segment from Twitter, Warriors VOX. You can follow me there. And then in the back half of the show, a special treat for you. Deputy Commissioner Adam Silver from the NBA office in New York stopped by Oracle Arena this past week. I had a chance to catch up with him and find out where the NBA is headed in 2012-2013. All this hour, it's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, and it comes your way here on our flagship station, KMBR 680, the sports leader. Chest pass to Lee, right for a good big baseline, over the head slam for David Lee. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy for Warriors Radio. It is a pleasure to uh, welcome the newest Hall of Famer to our broadcast, and that is, of course, Don Nelson. And uh, Nelly, congratulations. It's an honor that's been uh, overdue. In my book, and and congratulations! It has to be a great thrill. Well, thanks a lot, Tim. Uh, you were there for a lot of them, and uh, we had more fun than I can remember. So, uh, just a tremendous honor. I feel very unworthy, actually. Uh, there's still a lot of great guys that haven't made it. That certainly should be in there before I'm in there. Or uh, Al Adams, my dear friend, and all these other guys, you know, of Mata and Bill Fitch and. We could go on and on, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm blessed and uh, I feel very honored. How did you uh, How did you find out about it? Uh, they called me uh, a couple of days ago, six o'clock in the morning here, which was good because I'm an early riser anyway. So I was sitting up on my back porch having a cup of coffee, and uh, the Hall of Fame guys called me, uh, John, and uh, and uh, nobody told me that I wasn't supposed to say anything. So I guess it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I'm sure. I'm sure. They, in the grand scheme of things, they won't. They won't mind. Uh, what, what's it going to be like for you to to get into the Hall of Fame with so many of your uh, former Boston Celtic teammates? Well, you know, they went in as basketball players. Uh, 
uh, I'm going in as a coach. You can't go in as a combination. You have to go in as one or the other. Uh, so I was never that good a player. I was just average, and uh, uh, I made my mark really more as a coach uh, with longevity and you know being with a lot of successful franchises. Uh, but you know, my legacy really is going to be that uh, I, I really enjoyed building things. You know, and I was in the basketball uh, business, and I enjoyed building teams. I, I love going to a team that uh, hadn't won in a while, and. Uh, Took over, uh, you know, the coaching and sometimes the general manager as well. But even uh, when I was just a coach, where I participated in building the team and getting good young players, making trades, and doing those kind of things uh, to turn franchises around. That's what I really enjoyed doing more than anything. And I was blessed to do it twice in Golden State, once in Milwaukee, and once in Dallas. And uh, that's where I had the most fun. A lot of guys won't do that, but but you took on that challenge. It, it you you like to take it from from the bottom and 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 build it up and 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 uh, very successful at it. And and how as you look at Dallas with your son there now, how gratified were you to watch them win the the title last year? And obviously Dirk Nowitzki is part of your building process. Well, most coaches are smarter than I am. Uh, you know they tried to choose uh, good teams if they can, but I just loved uh, going to teams and uh, and building them. I mean, that's kind of what I like to do. Uh, I started out uh, and asked my son if he'd come and join me when I was with the Dallas Mavericks. He was with the Phoenix Suns at the time as assistant general manager. And uh, I told him I needed him. I needed him there to work with me. So uh, he helped build that franchise uh, with me. Uh, he was my assistant coach, and then uh, ended up. Uh, I told him he'd be smarter if he went into management, which he did, and uh, he's been there ever since. Uh, he won a championship last year. I was so proud of him. I, I just uh, can't tell you how proud I am of that young boy. Uh, he's not so young anymore. He's probably around fifty now. <laughs> you can believe that. Uh, but anyway, what a marvelous job they did, and. Uh, it was such a pleasure to watch them uh, in the playoffs. They beat. Actually, they didn't have the best team in almost every series they played. I thought the other team was better, but man, they had teamwork and they played the game the right way, and they just blended. They just had a super year and uh, won the championship. Doesn't happen very often, Tim. Where you know you can get lucky and beat a good team if you're not the best team, but you can't do it like four times in a row. And they're one of the few teams I can remember that actually did that. We're talking with Don Nelson, the newest Hall of Famer, and and Nelly, you mentioned about building. You did it twice with the Warriors, and uh, the Run TMC group was reunited at the Chris Mullen uh, Jersey Retirement uh, Ceremony. What memories of that team uh, did that occasion bring back for you? Well, we did it, uh, you know, the same way I did it in Milwaukee and then in Dallas. Really, uh, we had the worst team in the league, and. Uh, we were lucky enough to have a, one really good player. That was Chris Mullen, and, and uh, he needed to adjust his life a little bit, which he did. And then we did it through the draft. Uh, we drafted good players, and all of a sudden, you know, we had uh, Timmy Hardaway, who was uh, all-star point guard. We had Mitch Richmond there, and, of course, Mully straightened his life out. And uh, so I had three really good players. That's what you need to win in this league. You need three really good players at three different positions. Uh, 
the one that we were lacking most of the time was uh, the center position there, as you know. Uh, but we still managed to find a way to win. And when you don't have the best team, you have to be creative. And I like doing that. I like being creative and uh, finding ways to win when uh, nobody thought you could. That's really what I enjoy doing the most. Why do you think, with some of the lineups you would throw out in, at your various stops, and, of course, with Golden State as well, why do you think uh, when you would do that, that other teams, other coaches seem to get away from their, their what they did best? It's almost like they, they were worried about the lineup you would throw out there and forget about what you know what got them there, what, why they were a good team. Why do you think that, that some of the lineups that you would throw out there would cause so much uh, consternation from your opponents? Well, oftentimes their best players were the bigger players, and, uh, you know, they had to play their best lineups. I found a way to play smaller players, and I think small players are really the best players. They're the best basketball players. Big players are the most dominant players, but if you can uh, force people to, uh, to create a problem for them on the court, uh, where they have to guard somebody or some area that they're they're not comfortable with, all of a sudden you can put the advantage into your corner and, and away from them. And then you have to be creative enough to, when they try to take advantage of you because of their height, their weight, or whatever, then you have to have a team concept where you double-team, get the ball out of their hands, and always make a player do what he's uncomfortable doing. And if you can do that, you can make the advantage to your side. Now, in 2007, we were on a road trip. I think it might have been like mid-February after the All-Star break, and none of us thought the the Warriors were going anywhere. And then Barron comes back in Detroit, and it, it's still, to me, Don, I, I think one of the craziest three-month periods that I've ever been through as a, as a broadcaster, and I don't think I'll ever go through anything like that again And with the We Believe team. I mean, we went from guys that were basically outcasts, and, and the team became rock stars in the span of like two months. That was crazy. It was, and it was such fun because, um, you know, those guys were great teammates. Uh, I may have had some trouble off the court here and there, but uh, they were really great teammates, and they found a way to kind of found a way to do it once we got healthy. You know, we had players that, were just a pain in the rear end to guard uh, on the other side. And I could put lineups out there, and I had guys who could guard bigger players and were smart enough to, you know, know how to get the advantage over them. And uh, then we played fast. And, uh, you know, still uh, there's so many low-scoring games now, and they keep changing the rules in the favor of the big guy. And the most exciting players are the smaller players. So I, I never could figure that out, uh, why you keep changing the rules to emphasize size when the most fun for the fans really is watching smaller players. What was it like for you to, to get the Warriors back to the playoffs and to have that first you know, home playoff game at Oracle Arena coming back with a split in Dallas? What was that like for you? Well, it was just uh, one of the highlights. You know, I mean, I've had highlights at every place I've been, but uh, nobody expected us to do that. And then, you know, coming from Dallas and leaving there in those circumstances that uh, you know, the conflict I had with Mark Cuban and then being able to beat them. They were the best team in the league, and we were just snuck in on the last day. Uh, if you recall, we beat Portland to sneak into the playoffs, and uh, and then we just gave them fits. I mean, they didn't have a chance. I mean, we <laughs> we just knew how to do it, and 
how to play together. We had a good scheme, and um, we were able to beat the best team. It's not the first time that we've done that. You know, when Mully was, and we and we had to run TMC, that, uh, we did that uh, twice to Utah, where they were the best team, and we were the worst team, and we beat them as well. But that was only in a five-game series. It's a little easier to do. A uh, seven-game series that had never been done before. Yeah, that was. I, I still think it's one of the greatest upsets in, in NBA playoff history uh, that we believe uh, upset at Dallas and it's something that anybody that was in Oracle, you'll never forget uh, being in that building and for those games. Let's give credit where credit is due. You know, Chris Mullen was the general manager at that time, and he put together a very uh, risky trade. Uh, you know, we traded uh, two good players, and we got guys that had a checkered past, and uh, – we just thought it was the right thing to do to turn our franchise around, and uh, that was a gutsy move that Chris made. I supported him the best I could in it, uh, and it all worked out well. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Hey, who are some of your favorite players to coach along the way? God, I hate doing that because I don't want to miss anybody, but one of the best players I ever coached till he uh, had uh, a, a drug problem was Marcus Johnson. And I had Sidney Moncrief, uh, of course, and uh, Junior Bridgman. And when I was in Milwaukee, uh, Terry Cummings and, uh, gee, I don't want to, uh, Brian Winters. And, I mean, you know, we started going to Bill, uh, Bob Ladeer. And uh, so we had a really good team there. And then, uh, you know, you know the good the good players that we had uh, in the Bay Area. Right. And then Nash and Nowitzki, certainly. I don't want to forget them. And Dallas, they were some of the best players. And Michael Finley was a real good player. But, uh, you know, of all the of all the great players that I coached, I thought the best player that I ever coached uh, was probably Steve Nash. That guy could play. And he's still playing today. And I think he's like 38 now and still getting the 10 or 11 assists a game and still the major – uh, player at 38 years old. The guy is unbelievable. Yeah, there's no doubt, and he'll join you in Springfield uh, someday. Have you given any thought as to, to who uh, you may have present you at the Hall? Well, I'd love to have Chris do it if he's available. Um, he'd be my first choice, Chris Mullen, and uh, I haven't asked him yet, but uh, I'm certainly going to. No, that would be great. I think Warrior fans would be thrilled with that. You know, all the, all the bus rides, all the planes, all the, the hotels and, and, and everything, and, and uh, you know, all the situations you were in throughout your career, to have it, you know, culminate with this, you know, again, is, is it, has it really hit you yet? Uh, yeah, it's hit me. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've uh, texted almost all my close friends that I made it, so it's obviously important to me, and uh, um you know, I don't want to be blasé about it. It's uh, frosting on the cake. I feel undeserving because, like I said before, there's so many great coaches that haven't made it yet that should be in there before I'm in there. But uh, and I'll support them the best that I can, you know, when I can. But uh, it's just frosting on the cake to uh, really a great career. And all that travel and all the rest of it is uh, overplayed. I mean, that's what you do you know you get used to it and it's not hard anymore it used to be hard when we go commercial but now you got private planes and you leave right after a game and um i know this is a tough year because of so many back-to-back but normally uh you know it's a fair season for everybody everybody has to go through the same thing and i've i just enjoyed the heck out of it i mean i never had a bad year that 
even when my teams weren't winning, I found a way to have a good time and those guys, uh, you know, not to worry about uh, the losses when we weren't very good, that we were building and let's get better uh, every day at practice. Uh, it's just something I really enjoyed doing. I love being around talented young people and where could you do it more than in professional basketball? No doubt about that. 31 years as a head coach with the Milwaukee Bucks, the Warriors, the New York Knicks, and the Dallas Mavericks. Three times NBA Coach of the Year. 1,335 victories. Nobody has more. And from Sven Nader to Steph Curry, you coached them all. Uh, now it's Don Nelson Hall of Famer. And, and Nelly, it's, it's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it sure does. And culmination of a really uh, great life. I've been blessed. Uh, it's nothing that I've done, and I was—I just had an opportunity and worked my butt off. I'd get up early in the morning, and I'd work late at night, and uh, it's been worth it. I love it. Uh, continue to look back on great memories, and it's always about the people, you know, and I had great moments with a lot of great people. Well, Nelly, congratulations. It's, it's a great honor. Uh, we're thrilled for you, and as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks, and go Warriors. I love what they're doing there. Have a cigar for me, will you? Will do. <laughs> My thanks to Don Nelson as we continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Don't forget to secure your rights to 2012-2013 season tickets and receive priority for the best remaining lower-level seat locations with just a $100 deposit. Guarantee your seats tonight by placing your deposit and have access to an exclusive select-a-seat day at Oracle Arena. To sign up, go to warriors.com or call one gsw hoop and press 1. Coming up on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, we'll find out how the Warriors continue to give back to the Bay Area on KBR 680, the sports leader. Curry turns the corner down the lane, floater, teardrop, nothing but that. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. you're a regular listener to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, then you know the Golden State Warriors are committed to the Bay Area and continue to give back in a variety of ways. This week, we'll find out how the Warriors are going green. How you doing? Would you like a $5 card, free card to ride Bart? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, it's fun. Uh, we're getting out here. You know, the Warriors just trying to get out in the community and promote uh, Green Week for the NBA. It's crazy to think about that. Uh, I used to be on the bar all the time every weekend, so be back here. It's fun. Yeah, you want a free card? Of course. Here you go. There you go. Five dollars on there. Clipper card. Yeah, Clipper card. Clipper card. There you go. Clipper card. There you go. I noticed your training and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about you, man? There you go. I need, I need a new one anyhow. That's yeah. right. It's about $5, $10 on there already. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's been really great having the players here and the coach really showing their support for uh, what we're trying to get out in the community and talk about and uh, support uh, our efforts around uh, Green Mob and getting out the word about taking public transportation in the Bay Area. Their support means so much to us and to all the people in the community that they had a chance to interact with today. Just one t-shirt? Yeah, give them a t-shirt. They like free t-shirt. There you go. Here's a $5 card too. 
Oh, wow. $5 on the card? Yeah, there you There's go. It's reusable. There you go. Multiple times. Go green. Go green. Y'all already know what it is. Now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now to answer your questions. Let's go to Twitter at Warriors Vox. That's Warriors V-O-X. I try to answer as many questions as time permits. We also try to bring your questions to the players and management of the Golden State Warriors. So if you have one that you would like us to pass along, please, by all means, go ahead and fire away. Warriors Vox or hashtag AskTim. And don't forget, you can also follow at Warriors to join in on the Warriors conversation. Well, Arvin's under wants to know about playing the rookies. That makes the most sense. Well, I don't think the Warriors have much choice right now other than to play the rookies. They've been starting three rookies in the lineup, something that teams don't normally do. A couple have in the last few years. The Wizards and the L.A. Clippers come to mind. But but certainly, Jeremy Tyler, Charles Jenkins, Clay Thompson are all getting valuable minutes right now. As I said last night in the postgame in Minneapolis, I think it's going to be very interesting to see next year how those three progress. Will this time in the spring help those guys next year? Will they be able to be role players, maybe in the sense of Jenkins and Tyler coming off the bench? Will Clay Thompson be a bona fide NBA starter at the two? So I think right now with all the rookies that Mark Jackson has on the floor, it's really buying him, I think, a little more for next year. What it's doing. It's an investment for next year, if you will. And so the coach, Mark Jackson, talked about the progress of the rookies. In fact, let's hear him talk about Charles Jenkins in this soundbite as he talks about Jenkins learning on the job. Yeah, one thing about him, he's listening to what is being said to him, and he's making the proper adjustments. I don't want him to play like Steph Curry. He's a young, uh, energetic, strong point guard. I want him to set the tone of our defense. I'm not asking him to play 40 minutes, so pick up full court, use that big, strong body, and then run your basketball team. I'm very patient understanding that he's a he's a rookie point guard, but I'm going to put demands on him because he's, you know, he can get it done, and he's, he's, he's improving every single day, and it's, it's good to see. RBR Tweets wants to know, does the Golden State media travel in the same plane as the players? Well, the broadcasters do, and the broadcast crew does. Those who are in the truck on TV for Comcast, Sportsnet, Bay Area, and of course, uh, Jim Barnett, Bob Fitzgerald, yours truly. We travel with the ball club. Uh, the writers who cover the teams, they, they make their own plans and fly separate from us. But, but we do fly. It is a charter, and the NBA has chartered airplanes that they move the teams around from place to place. Some teams have their own planes, but most go through a charter service. And, and the travel is still very, very hard. I don't understand how players like Jim Barnett did the whole commercial flights back in the day. When I first got to the NBA when I was in Sacramento, uh, they were still flying commercial. And when they acquired their own plane, it was a real big deal. Uh, for that franchise, and, and it was a big deal for all of us because it, it makes it at least tolerable. I think it's very hard to, to do this flying commercial day in and day out. Dubs fan wants to know about Steph Curry. When will they reevaluate him? Well, Dubs fan, I believe the reevaluation will take place this coming week. And for the Golden State Warriors, it's really going to be a decision of whether or not it's worth it to put Steph back on the floor for the rest of the year. If he's 100% healthy and he can't do any further 
uh, damage to that tendon. I think they would like to get him back for a couple of games just to see how he can work with Klay Thompson, just to see what his presence will mean for the Golden State Warriors as their point guard of the future. But if there's any doubt whatsoever, there's really no reason to uh, to bring him back. Let's hear some comments right now from the head coach, Mark Jackson, about the uh, status and the care that the Warriors are using in dealing with Steph Curry. I don't think he's snake-bitten by a particular injury. I think he sprained his ankle, and then he sprained his ankle again. I wouldn't say that he's snake-bitten by it. I think it's important for us now to allow the process to play out, to give him as much treatment as possible, also rest, and uh, make sure he's 100%. I, I, I fully uh, don't expect this to be uh, an issue that we will address moving forward. I think that he'll be 100% and uh, a big part of what we're trying to do here. I know it's hard to think long-term with the way the last decade and change has gone uh, for the Golden State Warriors, but I, I really believe that if Steph Curry's healthy, Andrew Bogut's healthy next year, this will be a team to watch. This will be a fun team to watch, a team to be reckoned with uh, in the Western Conference. Well, the Dakota Wizards, the Warriors D-League team, was in the news this week, first of all. There's a chance the Wizards could relocate to Santa Cruz as early as next year. I had a chance to talk with Jim Wireman, who's the president of the Grizzlies and, of course, a member of the Warriors' front office, and he outlined the proposal that is now in front of the city council in Santa Cruz. There's a proposal on the table from the city of Santa Cruz um, that would, in essence, create a uh, temporary 3,200-seat structure uh, in downtown Santa Cruz where we would be in a position on a short-term basis to relocate the team uh, with kind of the long-term vision to build a new 5,000-seat fi- facility as a part of the downtown redevelopment strategy. And what that would provide us, of course, is an opportunity to literally have the players and the coaches 90 minutes away. And the advantages are are, are many, as you will know, in terms of Uh, the integration with the big league club. And while that has been going on in Northern California, in North Dakota, the Wizards have been playing good basketball. A 5-1 and one stretch, helped by Golden State Warrior Chris Wright, has put head coach Nate Bjorkman's ball club into the D-League playoffs. These teams are all so good and, and so even right now in the D-League. You just got to, you know, you got to, you know, take care of yourself, get the best seed that you can, and, and just go from there. Congratulations to Nate Bjorkman and the Dakota Wizards for making the postseason in the D-League. Davis fan wants to know about Clay Thompson. The Golden State Warriors seemed to be very high on Clay last year in the draft, and not a lot of teams were. What did they know? Well, I think general manager Larry Riley and the Warriors scouts were on top of Clay Thompson. They realized how good this kid could be. Let's hear the thoughts of Warriors general manager Larry Riley. Pretty easy to say that we're awful happy with Clay Thompson. And we felt that we had a good player when we were able to draft him. And uh, I thought it was important to ensure that we had that draft pick last year. Our roster, our bench, for example, was a little bit low in talent. We didn't have the kind of numbers we'd like to see there. And we're continuously hopeful that he will keep on improving, and we believe in the fact that he will. That's been a a pleasant thing for us this year. Uh, It's been good to watch him grow. He makes plays as well as making shots, and I think he's going to continue to get better. That's the pleasurable part of of a job like this when you see a young man come in and begin to make the kinds of strides that you would hope that they would make. He seems to also be the right kind of person. He works 
and uh, has a good future. No question about it. It's I, Tim Roy, and that's our Warriors Vox segment, Warriors V-O-X. Don't forget, you can check out the Warriors cast at warriors.com slash audio for the latest Warriors interviews, including local radio show appearances, pre- and post-game interviews, practice interviews, weekly roundtables, show archives, and much, much more. For all the latest Warrior podcast and interactive audio content, bookmark the Warrior cast page at warriors.com slash audio, and stay tuned. You'll be able to subscribe to the Warriors podcast at iTunes. We'll tell you about that as we move right along. Now, if you missed any part of this Warriors Weekly Roundtable and you'd like to go back and listen to it, go to warriors.com slash audio, and you can find all the Warriors Weekly Roundtables there. Listen to them in their entirety, including overtime coverage, full-length interviews that sometimes we have to edit to make it on the air on radio. You'll be able to hear the whole thing at warriors.com slash audio. Again, if you missed any part of it, go to warriors.com, and we'll keep you posted with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We continue here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. The Deputy Commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, is next on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Turns the corner down the lane, lob to Beasley, two days We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Hi, Tim Roy. We're talking with Adam Silver, the NBA's Deputy Commissioner and Chief Operating Officer, and it's great to have you out here in the Bay Area. We like to call Oracle Arena on uh, Warriors Radio the best atmosphere in the NBA, and hopefully it'll be that way uh, for you in the game tonight. But I know you were in the offices earlier today, and, and you spoke to the employees of the Golden State Warriors. What was the, the topic of your discussion? Well, first of all, thank you for having me here uh, today. The topic of my discussion was where the league is right now as a business and how excited we are to be playing this season. We talked a little bit about the future, not just for the league, but also for this franchise. And, you know, I was here to tell them how excited David Stern and I am about uh, Joe Laco, about Peter Guber, about the new management um, that they have brought in. And I think it's a really exciting time for this franchise. How does the league look at, at the Bay Area and the Warriors? I think we look at this as an up-and-coming franchise. I mean, in some ways, um, it's, you know, I, I think of it that there's renewal here in the air. You know, when you have new ownership and they bring in new senior leadership team, I think it's a fresh start. And for us, um, I focus because from in terms of wins and losses, it's a zero-sum game in this league. So, you know, I generally don't talk about the basketball as much. I talk more about, to me, the things that are more immediately controllable, and that's the business. It's the marketing of the team. It's the relationship in the community. And I think those are things, I mean, in Joe and Peter and Rick Welts, you know, and Jerry West involved now. I mean, I just, you know, I could go on Bob Myers. I could go on and on. But I think, to me, you know, Ultimately, this league is about management, and I would say here you have really smart people, really hardworking people doing all the things that are necessary to be successful. Let's talk a little bit about this year. It's a different season, you know, 66 games, and it's, it's crunched right in there. Uh, why? First of all, I was just curious, why 66? It's a good question. <laughs> I, you know, what happened was we went, when we were negotiating, we were moving along, and then there was that moment in November where we said if we're going to get a deal done by Christmas and Christmas in addition just being you know symbolically an important day for all Americans um, it's the day we've always began on network television and you know where we knew we had several games planned that day and so we worked backwards and we went to our basketball operations department the people who do the schedule and we said if we were to start on Christmas Day how long how many games could we fairly uh, squeeze in frankly in for the season and the number that came back was 66 
And with, of course, with that, the new collective uh, bargaining agreement is in place. Have you seen any effects of it so far? Yeah, you know, even as um, David Stern was saying the other day, I mean, there's no question that teams, even going into the season, once the collective bargaining agreement was done, have been making basketball decisions based on the new harsher tax, the repeater tax that's going to kick in. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that um, Dallas has made economic decisions based on the collective bargaining agreement that Los Angeles Lakers, and I, I think one of our stated goals um, going into collective bargaining was to create more parity around the league. We'd like more to be determined by management rather than by payroll. I mean, it's not a perfect system. It's not a hard cap. And, you know, there may be benefits, too, to flexibility for teams and, and not having an absolute hard cap. But um, we're seeing probably more competitive teams this year than I can remember in a long time, I'm both, both in the Eastern and Western Conference. And I also think one of the aspects of the collective bargaining that agreement that isn't talked about as much, but I think maybe the most important, at least from a fan standpoint, is shorter contracts. I mean, think about it. In this league now, if you are a free agent, the longest contract you can get is four years. And contrast that with what we've seen happen in hockey, in professional, uh, in baseball, you know, some of those long-term deals for guys who are in their early 30s. I think that's very significant because you want teams to be in a position where they can they can make adjustments, where they can rebuild, where they can change course when necessary, and I think that what we'll see that happen with the shorter deals. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point. Let's talk about your boss for a second since he's not here. Uh, what do you think his legacy will be when he finally steps down? You know, one of the things I think that David doesn't get enough credit for is he was one of the first modern commissioners who thought about sports leagues as brands where, you know, that the NBA, you know, in the old days, MLB wasn't significant. And even early on, the NFL wasn't significant. I think David recognized that this, you know, while, you know, basketball was at its core, this is a business and it's a global business. And I think what David probably, one of the, you know, I don't want to talk too much about his legacy yet because he's, he's still my <laughs> boss. And he, you know, maybe he's going to be there. Still for breathing. An, and he may be there for another 10 years. So, but putting that aside, at least up till now, I mean, certainly the globalization of the sport of basketball and the the NBA. I think one of David's proudest moments was the Dream Team in 1992, bringing the NBA professionals into Olympic competition. And clearly, I mean, one of the um, joys of my job, frankly, is the opportunities to represent the NBA around the world. And, you know, we all know um, how popular this game has become in China. We're making inroads in India. It's hugely popular in Europe and other places in the world. So I, I think that's, you know, whenever it is that people are looking back at David's legacy, the globalization of the game will be a core part of it. Do you ever see a time where there is an NBA team overseas? We've talked about that. I think logistically we could do it. We could we could figure out a division in Europe. When you think about the travel distances between, let's say, you know, the Bay Area and Miami, you know, or, or you know, Portland to you Miami. You don't want that flight at two in the morning, by the way. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you're you're absolutely right. But I think you know, if teams were on the East Coast and then they hopped over to London and they played a division in Europe, I think it's possible. We're not there yet, and we're not talking about expanding even domestically right now. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see over time. I think, you know, the real opportunity for us is in digital media, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's where we're seeing that if fans around the world, whether it's on their smartphones or whether it's on beautiful 72-inch HD televisions, can experience this sport. Well, it's funny, too, because even on the radio side, I get emails and, uh, and, and things from people overseas who even just listen at NBA.com, you know, who, the league has always been very progressive on, on this front. Uh, how come and, and, and why do you think it's so important? 
I just think it's, a, I, you know, part of it, we're just um, responding to interest from our fans on a global basis. And I think what we've managed to do is, and that's the benefits of a digital world, that we can take local broadcasts, whether it be radio or television feeds that you're creating here in the Bay Area, and we can distribute those on a global basis. And there is a community of fans around the world, and that's really what social networking is it, it, it is all about. It's an acknowledgement that there's this community within your arena, but how is it that we replicate that arena environment through digital media around the world? And so if you're a Warriors fan, you know, but the, the, frankly, you know you're just unlikely to make it to a game or maybe once in your life you're going to make it to Oakland to go to a game you can still have that same as close to possible that experience albeit maybe it's virtual okay final question for you how'd you get started in basketball so I went to Duke University as an undergrad and I think um actually coach K and I started at the same year at Duke <laughs> University and I was a basketball I was I grew up in New York I was in I'm, I'm I'm willing to admit I was a Knicks fan growing up although I have no favorite teams now <laughs> I, I love all of our teams <laughs> but I I so when I was at Duke I became a big basketball an even bigger basketball fan I was there but then I was practicing law in New York and I was not one of these one one of these guys who was a sports fan who set out to work in the business of sports. I'm not sure I even understood the business of sports, but I worked at a law firm for a few years, and I wanted to get into the sports and media business, and I was introduced to David Stern, and I began my job there as a special assistant. And, and even though I'm the deputy commissioner now, many people still say I, I continue to be his special <laughs> assistant. So we'll see where the, this journey takes me. It's great to have you out here in the Bay Area, and don't be a stranger, and and, uh, best of luck. Yeah, thanks so much. My thanks to the Deputy Commissioner of the National Basketball Association, that is Adam Silver. A quick reminder that this Saturday, April 7th, is Go Green Night, brought to you by eSurance. See the Warriors take on the Denver Nuggets and arrive early, as the first 5,000 fans will receive a BPA-free Warriors tumbler. With the Warriors' new dynamic pricing, tickets start at just $24. Go to warriors.com or call one 888 hoop and press option number one. We continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We'll check the schedule and wrap this one up on KMBR 680, the sports leader. I don't believe it. I can't believe you're unbelievable. Unbelievable. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable. Time now for the upcoming game segment, as always, brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. We're in Salt Lake City, where tomorrow night the Warriors take on the Utah Jazz and the improving big man that is Derek Favors. Popping out is Harris. He'll get the ball guarded by McGuire. They run through a pick by Favors. Pick and roll. Favors down the lane. Gets a dunk and he's fouled by Beatrice. He's got a chance to tie the game with 27.8 to go. Warriors and Jazz coming away, 5.45 the airtime on KMBR 10.50. That's KMBR 10.50 tomorrow afternoon. On Saturday, back at Oracle for a matchup with the Denver Nuggets, and that means exploding point guard Ty Lawson. Melo has it across the timeline for Denver, working against Corey Brewer. Bounce pass right side to Lawson. Lawson needs one assist for his first career double-double. Top of the key, Melo backdoor pass to Lawson, and a beauty in the layup is good. Ty Lawson can be real nasty, real freaking nasty. 
Warriors and Nuggets, 7.15 the airtime. We're back on KMBR 680 on Saturday night. It's a Go Green night brought to you by eSurance. First 5,000 fans receive a Warriors BPA free tumbler courtesy of eSurance. The rematch with the Nuggets is on Monday night on KMBR 1050. So we're back on 1050 on Monday after being on 680 on Saturday. 5.45 is the airtime on Monday. Warriors in the rematch with the Nuggets. Then it's on to Portland and a date with the Trailblazers, 7.15 the airtime on Wednesday, April 11th, when the Warriors take on LaMarcus Aldridge. The pass goes to Fernandez to Andre Miller. Miller, about 27 feet away on the lob, and it's two-handed dunk, LaMarcus Aldridge. Time out, Bulls. Warriors and Blazers, Wednesday, April 11th on KBR 10.50, 7.15 is your airtime. Hi, Tim Roy, and that's going to wrap up the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. I want to thank everybody connected with the show, including my guest, Hall of Famer Don Nelson. It's got a nice ring to it. The Deputy Commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, my producer, R.C. Davis, and David Feldhouse at the controls. Warriors here in Salt Lake City to take on the Jazz tomorrow night, 545 the airtime on KMBR 1050. I, Tim Roy, saying good night and thanks for listening to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. And please don't go away because ESPN Radio is on the way. Golden State Warriors basketball. Lee drop step up and over Howard. It's good. For tickets, go to warriors.com or call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.